Heavenly Father, we want to give thanks to you for this new morning that you have given to us, that we can spend this time to consider your word and uh, let you work in our lives a deep work so that, God, we may be uh, the kind of Christians that walk faithfully with you. And we pray, Father, that you will bless our time even as we listen, that our faith may grow, that we may indeed not multiply in fruitfulness of character. We thank you and commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, this morning, I'm going to preach from Mark chapter 5, for all 43, uh, 43 verses. I may be a bit clumsy with my, uh, what I call, uh, wires, huh? so just don't worry about that. Um, we will read, I will read a few, 14 verses for you first, right? Okay. Mark chapter 5, verse 1 to 43. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained, hand and foot, but he hauled the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him, night and day among the tombs, and in the hills who would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. But Jesus had said to him, Come out, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, for he replied, For we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Verse 16, Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. How many of you have watched the movie The Exorcist? It's a very old movie, yeah? Very old movie. So those more, uh, more mature guys here and ladies here would have watched this movie, yeah? And I don't recommend you to watch this movie. Uh, in the... Uh, in the late 70s, when this movie was shown, 
uh, Christians around the world in churches were debating, uh, especially among students, uh, whether they should watch this movie. Because the amount of evil influences in this movie was substantial. And there were people who had heart attacks, uh, people who had abortions, people who, had, who need psychiatric counselling after the movie. Uh, while I watched part of the movie, I was so frightened itself that I decided that I have to stop watching anyway. So, uh, you know, I, I don't have the guts that I have today. But this is not about exorcism. It's not about exorcism. This is today's sermon. Eh? But I'm going to share with you what Jesus did. Okay, uh, we have basically the divisions. Eh? Uh, today's division. Oh, sorry. We have moved a bit fast. Uh, sorry. Okay, today's division, uh, the sermon. Uh, firstly, we talk about Jesus saving the uh, demon-possessed man. Uh, well, they, they call him the, the uh, demoniac from Gadarenes or Gerasenes. Eh? Either way, I mean, let's not uh, worry about that. And secondly, uh, Jesus heals the unknown lady with a persisting hemorrhaging problem. And thirdly, Jesus raises Jairus' daughter from the dead. And we are going to cover basically how Jesus is Lord over all. Firstly, Jesus saves the demon-possessed man. Now, there is no background information in the scriptures uh, about the case of demon possession. We have no idea how he was possessed uh, by demons. Yeah? And demon possession, even if you were to look at uh, Mark chapter 3 and earlier chapters, you find that there were people uh, who, had demon, uh, who had demons in them. Right? And uh, for no reason, they, they were possessed and they were healed by Jesus. And later on, you see in other parts of Mark or other Gospels, you see many, many cases. Even in Acts 16, 16, Paul encountered in his missionary journey, he encountered a, a young girl who was able to do divination, uh, to foretell, uh, the, to predict the future, and the owners were making tons of money through her until the young girl met Paul, and Paul cast the demon aside, and uh, that that was the end of the demon possession for the young girl, Acts 16, 16. Now, idolatry, the worship of idols and demon worship often contributes to demon possession. That must be understood. Eh? It is a reality if you worship idols and uh, if you worship demons in particular, uh, uh, there is a very strong likelihood that uh, you can be possessed uh, by demons. Now, the demoniac or the demon-possessed man at Gerasenes of Gadarenes was very different because why? There was a legion of demons in him. Now, a legion refers to 5,000 or 4,005 to 6,000 uh, soldiers. No, a Roman legion has about five to 6,000 uh, soldiers in a legion. And when the demon, when the evil spirit replied to Jesus, his name was called Legion. That means there are very many demons in him. So how could a person be possessed by so many demons? We have no idea. So, nevertheless, the demoniac at Gerasenes, he was virtually insane. He went out of his mind together. He was, no, he was not in control of himself anymore. He cried out maybe from the depths of his soul he wants to be liberated, but he could not. So he cried and he cut himself with stones and he was injured. It was like a wild beast. He could not be restrained with chains and he lived in the tombs. 
we will only communicate with screams. Have you ever encountered such a person at all? I think we have not. None of us have seen. I've seen demon-possessed people. Very strange uh, cases. Yeah? And there was one that I saw. I tried to use the same method to cast up the demons. As a young Christian, uh, I was also very keen in doing this kind of ministry. Yeah? Uh, there was a, a lady uh, who was like, uh, well, she was not herself. She was out of herself totally. And uh, whenever you played a Christian song, then she would start dancing. When you stop the song, then she would collapse. Very strange, eh? But I won't tell you the details of how we actually handled that. But anyway, I asked, what is your name? I expected the person to say, Legion, you know? But the person never said anything, okay? So that was another story that I'll tell you some other day. Now, the, 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 the passage had basically this. There were four groups of people present at the scene. Uh, Jesus himself was present, the disciples who were with uh, Jesus, the demoniac from Gerasenes, the swine farmers, and the people of Gadarenes, or uh, Gerasenes. Uh. Now, what did they do? What did these four groups of people do, actually? Okay, I mean, it's all, it all came out this way. So, uh, now my, firstly, Jesus was casting the demons out from the demonized man. Now notice that the demonized man was incapable of asking Jesus for help. He could not ask for help. But it was the demons who were speaking to Jesus. Right? He never asked Jesus for help, but yet Jesus reached out to him to cast out all the demons, to remove the evil spirits that were in him. Right? So there was something special that you know about God. God doesn't act only because you ask. God acts when you are in deep need. And God says later on himself that tell your people that God has mercy upon you. And as a, as a, as a general truth, God has mercy on all of us. God reached out to us when we did not ask Him. We never asked for the gospel. Many of us never asked for the gospel. I never asked for the gospel. But the gospel came to me through Christians and through God himself. Somehow God touched me when I was a very young child. Number two, the demoniac. What did he do? Notice that he saw Jesus from distance and he ran towards Jesus and he knelt down. On his knees, he knelt down and he acknowledged that Jesus as the Son of God Right? He acknowledged Jesus as the Son of God. In the scriptures, you notice that all, almost all of the cases of demon possession, the demons always acknowledge Jesus as the Son of the Most High God. There will always be statements like this. They acknowledge that Jesus was the Son of the Most High God. Now, Paul in Philippians 2, verse 10 to 11, he says, At the name of Jesus, God exalted Christ's name. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow eh? every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father eh? Philippians 2 verse 10 to 11 so demons also acknowledge this eh? whether they are under the earth or whether they are on the earth they acknowledge that Jesus as a son of God to the glory of the Father. 
So the demoniac acknowledges uh, this truth that we must bear in mind, bear in mind, and they beg Jesus, please don't torment us, please don't torture us, because in due time, if you look at Revelations and the book of uh, Revelations, the day will be a time where the people who are unrepentant, Satan, and all the demons, and all the evil spirits, the Antichrist, the beast, all these will be thrown in the lake of sulfur and of fire. They will be tormented forever and ever. So that is what the demons fear. So they ask Jesus, don't torment us. Don't destroy us. Please don't. Send us into the pigs, the herd of pigs that was nearby. Uh, the pigs were unclean animals anyway to the Jews. Yeah? But to that place, because it's a Gentile town, a Gentile uh, country, so I mean, people rare pigs for food and so on. So Jesus said, yes, you can go. No? And then they all went into the pigs, and then the pigs ran into the river, down a steep river bank into the lake, and they were all drowned. So that's the end of this part. And then what happened? I'll tell you what happened again later. Now, when the swine farmers, the pig farmers, saw all this, they were so fearful and they ran away and told the people in the city what happened. And then the citizens of Gadarenes or Gerasenes, they came and they saw what happened. They pleaded with Jesus and his disciples, please leave us alone. Don't stay on in this place. What an irony, eh? And what happened to the disciples? The disciples did nothing. But it's something they did, which is not recorded in the scriptures, eh? I presume that they helped the demonized, the ex-demonized man to dress up, bind his wounds, and uh, let him sit among them. Maybe that's what they did, okay? So the disciples did a very supporting role, but they were not actively involved in anything. Now, just as a thought about demon possession. What are the dangers of a cleansed life but which is spiritually empty. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus actually talked about this. Eh? Uh, it is, this is not uh, what I call a concrete teaching um, you know, about de dealing with uh, demons uh, possessed life or whatever, but nevertheless, it's a very good guide for all of us. It, Jesus said that when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest. And finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds a house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. This might be the case in this ex-demoniac, yeah? Maybe his life was cleansed before, and then... No, it, then he did not do anything about it. He was spiritually empty. That's why see, we must not be spiritually empty. We must, have, we must have God in our life. We must have the Holy Spirit and His Word in our life. Otherwise, we would definitely be uh, in a situation, a very difficult situation, because the old things will come back. Yeah? So this is only... Uh, what I call a guiding principle for all of us to bear in mind. Eh? A life that is cleansed 
if you do not do anything about your spiritual life, then something else will fill the void that is in your life. Now, what went right? What went right on that day? The demons left the man. They all left the man at the command of Jesus. Uh, because the, at, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, whether it is in heaven, on earth, or under the earth, and then every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. So the demons had to obey Jesus, uh, him, and the demoniac now became of sound mind, dressed up, and was sitting quietly, listening to Jesus. Uh, last night I was uh, preaching at uh, our church, and uh, we were talking about teach God teaching us. How can we uh, learn from God? Because you know why? Today, many of our teachers, preachers, we like association with big names. Uh, we like to be associated with uh, Timothy Keller. We like to be associated with Don Carson uh, from the Chicago Trinity uh, Evangelical College. We like to be associated with uh, John Piper. All these are famous pastors and teachers, uh, very, very famous people. But many of us like to say that, okay, I am a student of John Piper. I'm a student of Don Carson and so on. So as to gain recognition uh, as if by rubbing shoulders with them, sitting down with them, then we become empowered to preach the gospel effectively. Here, this man was sitting quietly listening to Jesus. Can we listen to Jesus? Can we be taught by Jesus? Nobody would boast. Uh, I have not heard of anyone so far, I mean, <laughs> in my limited experience itself with just that Jesus taught me. I sat at the feet of Jesus. Very few, well, I have not really heard anyone saying that, but it is worthwhile to say that. Why? Because the scripture says very clearly the people who listen to Jesus, they really are different. They, they transform. And you look at Luke chapter 10, Martha and Mary and Lazarus were coming Jesus to their home. Yeah? And Jesus sat down. Uh, Lazarus was sitting down together with other disciples. And then Mary was also uh, sitting down at the foot of Jesus, listening to what Jesus had said. And Martha was preparing all the refreshments, all the coffee, all the donuts, everything. Uh, all the chicken rice, you know, and all the goodies. She was preparing for everybody. And she complained, Jesus, won't you tell Mary to come and help me? I'm doing all this for all of you guys, you know. But Jesus says, Mary, Martha, you have learned to be very busy. But the right thing to do is to be like Mary, sit at my feet and listen to me. Secondly, this man, the demoniac, pleaded with Jesus to follow, to allow Jesus to let him follow him. So as a disciple, isn't that the right response? Isn't that the right request? To follow Jesus all the rest of your life, isn't that the best thing to do? But then Jesus, what did he say? He told him, go home. To your family go home to your people and tell them how much the lord had mercy on you and what he had done for you and then this man who was delivered from demon possession he went to the decapolis the decapolis is basically a zone of 10 cities to tell people how much the lord had done for him i, I will tell you more about this later on Thirdly, what else did the Lord Jesus do for this man apart from casting out the demons? 
Apart from casting out the demons, what did he do? What did he do? I just want to tell you about the state of this uh, demonia, uh, the ex-demoniac. Psalms 23, verse 1 to 3. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in one. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That is what happened to this man because his soul was restored to him. You see, a man who is demonized, a man who is possessed by thousands of demons, he had no future, both now and in the future. Eternally, he has no future. The only future he had was one of destruction. He is completely destroyed. I met a man who seemingly had demon possession. I, I really don't know whether he's uh, demon uh, possessed, but he wants to die very badly. So sometimes he take out his knife and he wave to everyone in the, in the family that he will, he's going to stab himself and he's going to kill everybody in the house as well. One. Number two, he also tells me that something is crawling up his heart, eating him up every day. Yeah. And thirdly, he also asks his family, buy a coffin for me, put in the center of the house, and sleep in it and wait there until I die. Strange, huh? very strange. Huh? A man without deliverance. So he had no future. He doesn't know what is going to happen to him. He doesn't know what is really wrong with him. He went to hospitals and he could not be cured. But here is a man who had thousands of demons in him. And now he can proclaim, he restores my soul. Now, how can he... Now, you see, the thing is the Lord actually assigned to him uh, basically a task. He says, go back to your people. Go back to your family and tell them how much, how much mercy the Lord has upon you and how much the Lord has done for him. So he went. So he went. Now, what kind of resources he had? What kind of resources he had as a Christian? He just listened to the message. I mean, uh, he was delivered. And he listened to maybe an hour or two to Jesus. And then he went. Yeah? Psalms 23 verse 1 gave us a very good clue. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in one. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Uh, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And verse 3a, he restores my soul. You see, God can work with you wherever you are. Where, whether you are in America, whether you are alone on a ship, whether you are on a mountain, God can work in your life and give you new insight and give you food for your soul. You know, there was a Chinese evangelical pastor who spent 25 years in prison because of his Christian convictions, Wang Mingdao. Wang Mingdao, you read, you can Google him on the internet. He died uh, some seven years, eight years, or nine years ago. Wang Mingdao was persecuted for his Christian beliefs, but he's a man who memorized scriptures in his heart. Like what the psalmist says in Psalms 119, eh? uh, verse uh, 10. Thy word I have treasured in my heart, so that I may not sin against you. Yeah? Wang Mingdao, he treasured the word of the Lord because in prison, he had no Bible. He had no reading materials. Sometimes he was in solitary confinement. It was in darkness. And what did he do? He recalled the word of God from his heart. 
He recalled, meditate upon it. It means uh, he chew on it regularly. Again and again, he had a number of verses, 50 verses in his heart, or maybe 100 verses. He remembered them over and over again, over and over again, and he was strong. God maintained his sanity. At the end of 25 years, he came out alive and was able to talk to many, many Christian pastors about his experience. Yeah? So God can feed you. The Holy Spirit, according to John 14, verse 26, and the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Because God, even in those days when the Scriptures was only the Old Testament, God says the Holy Spirit will teach you and bring to your remembrance all that I've said. And the man, the demonized man, went on this basis, that he relied on God to teach him and to remember what he had said to him so that he can continue uh, to serve God wherever he is. Now, so the question is today, what sort of theological knowledge do you need to share about Jesus? What sort of theological knowledge? You see, when I was a young Christian, I was um, trained uh, by the Campus Crusade for Christ, which Pastor Benjamin was a, a member of, Campus Crusade of Christ, and also the Navigators. So we memorized by heart uh, our four spiritual laws, our rules of how we're going to share the gospel, which is good. I, I think we need some framework, some structure. That's one. Okay? Uh, but what else do you need? Today is becoming more and more complex itself. Huh? When we go to established churches, you have to go for Bible. So many classes uh, before you are formally baptized as a Christian. Yeah? But what knowledge do you really need to share about Jesus? And what did the man do? The demonized man, when he went to the Decapolis, the densities, he went around telling about Jesus. His mercy and what he has done for him. That was only all. That was about all. You know, I mean, for a young Christian, uh, as an evangelist, he went out and he reached out to the world. He told them about Jesus. He told them what he had done for him. He told them about the mercy that God has shown to him when he did not deserve mercy. The people in the garrisons at the town, people that saw him, he's possessed, they couldn't be bothered with him. At the most, I tie him up once in a while so that he won't cause fright, fears in the, in the residents of town. But otherwise, they are not interested in him. They leave him abandoned. They leave him dead. They're not interested in him. But here is the great Almighty God who comes and reaches out to this man who could not ask for help. But God helped him. This is what the man went around sharing. God had mercy on him. And God had done a great deal for him, gave him a new future. What kind of future? Once upon a time, his future was destruction. Nothing. He could not have a family. He could not have a job. He could not have, he cannot talk sensibly. He cannot have friends. He cannot have a church to worship in. He cannot be normal anymore. But here, God made him well. God made him well. So therefore, the question is, what have you told your friends so far about Jesus? 
Have you called your friends come and worship in this church? Have you called upon your friends come and worship Jesus and listen to what He has done for all of us? Yeah? And then thirdly, are you thankful for what Jesus has done in your life? Uh, sometimes we take for granted Jesus has come to my life, He has blessed me, He has done the great things in my life, but I can't remember which great thing. I cannot remember. But therefore, it's time for Christians to contemplate once again. What did Jesus do in your life? How did He have show mercy to you? Can you recall all this? Spend time to contemplate and appreciate how wonderful the great Almighty God who calls Himself in Revelations 1.8 I am the Alpha and the Omega declares the Lord who is, who was and is to come the Almighty Revelations 1.8 I am the Alpha and the Omega In Revelations 22 it says again I am the Alpha and the Omega the first and the last at the beginning and the end right and in Hebrews Hebrews 2 uh, Hebrews 12, 2. Jesus said, uh, the, the author of Hebrews says that Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. So are you thankful for Jesus? Thankful to Him for what He has done in your life? Count your blessings. Count your relationship with Him. Does it really matter? It matters. Are you serving the Lord like the, you know, the man who was possessed? He did his small thing. He just go and tell, stop people and tell them, do you know who Jesus is? Do you know what he has done for me? I want to tell you something about him. That's about all. He doesn't know the theology of resurrection. He doesn't know the theology of the Son of God. He doesn't know all the theology. But he just knows that this man is called the Son of God, Son of the Most High God. That's about all. And he goes around telling the same basic uh, uh, statements. And people will touch do you lack anything from God these days? If you lack anything, ask Him and God will help you. If you don't know how to, uh, how to share, then you can ask Him. In James chapter 1, in James chapter 1, um, the Apostle James said that if you lack wisdom, ask God. And He's a generous God who will be willing to share with you anytime. You ask God, it is in His will and He will give it to you. Matthew 7, 7. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. Do you lack anything? God will for what? Uh, for you to share, to learn how to share. Now what went wrong on that occasion? The swine farmers were shocked with the healing of the demonized man. And to see him normal and quiet in this sound mind, they were shocked. And they couldn't believe it. Maybe they don't want it. Because why? This guy is despising for a long time the demonized man. Yeah? And now to see him in his normal and sound mind and fully dressed up and listening to Jesus, they were shocked. Are we shocked with the miracle of God? Do we welcome the miracles of God in our community? What do we say when we see a miracle happening? And the local citizens uh, of uh, Gerasenes wanted Jesus to leave their town and stop his work. Okay? There are many people who reject Jesus. Wherever we go, uh, we have seen that. Uh, I, was, uh, I had a, done a mission trip in China to Yunnan, and uh, it was not easy to share the gospel. Okay? 
we were on guard. We were always on guard when we went to share the gospel. Yeah? But when we went to the small towns, the small cities, we were able to share the gospel and many people were receptive to the gospel. Yeah? So God gave us a lot of surprises on that particular day itself. Some were blessed, some were, uh, were fearful and they rejected Jesus. We go to the next passage, Mark uh, 5, 24-29. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subjected to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Isn't that a familiar story? When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothes because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized the power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see, the crowd crowding against you, his disciple answered, And yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet. And trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now, this is... Um, okay, I will just move a bit quickly. Okay. Why did this woman touch the cloak of Jesus? See, we have a lot of superstitions. Do you have any superstitions, by the way? You have? I mean, example, you, you, you put a cross in your home. What is the purpose? Is it to show that you are a Christian or the ward of devils? Yeah? Now, I have uh, seen uh, Christians, you know, who kept bags of lard. You know what is lard? Solidified pig oil oil from the pigs, from the meat, eh? okay? They hang it in different parts of the house to drive away demons. Now that came from our old culture, our local culture. Uh, the Malays in particular, they believe that, you know, because they don't eat pork, so their demons also don't eat pork. So because of that, it's, uh, when you put lard everywhere, it's, uh, the demons won't come. That's what the Malays believe. Eh? And Chinese Christians, sometimes they also adopted the same kind of belief because they came from the same animistic background. So this woman touched the cloak of Jesus. Now there's no theological support eh, for such a practice. Touch the cloak and you will be healed. So afterwards you come and touch me, you say you'll be healed? No, you will not be healed, my dear brothers and sisters. Now, it was purely uh, gut feel. They at the prompting of an uh, what I call maybe you know, at her own inner, inner prompting she just touched because she doesn't know what to say to Jesus. You know that women in uh, in Jewish society at the time itself basically was uh, second class citizens. Yeah, so women folks itself are not allowed to speak. They are not allowed to play any leadership roles in the family. So because of that itself, this lady suffered from all kinds of insecurity. More so, she was hemorrhaging for the last 12 years. And in Jewish law, she is unclean. She's defiled. Yeah? So how can she come to a holy man like Jesus? Okay? 
Now, would you do the same if Jesus comes to town this weekend and you are very sick? Would you touch him or would you not touch him? What would you do? Think about it. Mark 5.27, just now, huh? Uh, uh, okay, let's see. Eh? Sorry. Oh, he's not here, sorry. Okay. Mark 5.27 said the woman heard about Jesus. What do you think that the woman really heard about Jesus? Make a guess. He's the son of the Most High God. Most common. Yeah? Then, some more. He's a healer. He healed many people. Yeah? Some more? He's a Messiah, maybe. Messiah. Yeah? Maybe the Messiah. So, bits and pieces. But that helps. What have you said about Jesus? to your friends, to your colleagues, uh, to members of your community, your neighbours. What have you heard about Jesus? So this lady, she heard about Jesus and she came. So many people in our community, when they hear about Jesus, they can come. They can come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. Now thirdly, there are so many people around pushing around Jesus. They were all so excited about Jesus. We were all, I mean, I would be very excited. Personally, I would be very excited. You know, when the prime ministers come and uh, come to our hometown, those days itself, uh, we had uh, one of our early prime ministers came to our hometown. All the VIPs in town all line up to shake hands and to take a snapshot. Those days, snapshots were very slow. We took very slowly. So. But they all wanted to take a snapshot with the VIP. Yeah? But why did Jesus ask for the unknown, unknown lady to identify herself? That's very important. Why did he ask, who touched my clothes? When he knew full well that thousands of people around him, they were so, everybody was jostling to have a sight of Jesus, you know. Everybody would like to see who he is, the uh, proclaimed Messiah. And why did he ask the unknown lady to identify herself? And this lady came forward and confessed that she was the one who touched him. Now, why is it important to be a witness for Christ? Because it stands as a testimony for the world and to God that you are His. You confess, you acknowledge myself, Stephen, Eric. You know, we are Christians. We stand up for God. This woman stood, stood up for her act itself. She identified herself before God. Who are you? God, of course, knows who she is. God knows that it was the woman with the 12-year-old uh, hemorrhaging problem itself. God knows that this is a defiled woman. But God was pleased to heal her. Yeah? So therefore, the unknown lady was asked to be a witness uh, to the great work of Christ. So is there a purpose in this miraculous event? The demoniac did not ask God, but God had mercy to hear of for him and reach out to him. This woman... She wants to reach out, to, she wants to come forward to Jesus, but do not know how to ask Jesus. She was an unimportant person in society, a defiled person according to the law of Moses, but yet she come and touch Jesus. She come forward to Jesus. God receives those seekers of Him. This miraculous event shows that God receives and welcomes seekers. Those who come to Him, God will answer. 
I quote to you, Matthew 7, 7, Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, the door shall be opened unto you. Um, now, you see, in James chapter 1, it's a very interesting book. In James chapter 1, uh, the Apostle James says that, you know, if any one of you lacks wisdom, you must, you can ask God who will give generously. Then he also said that when you ask God, you must not ask with doubt in your heart. When you ask God, you must ask with full conviction. Because otherwise, God is not pleased with a half-hearted uh, seeker. That means you must not be one who doubts, but you must be one who really believes that God can heal you. Okay? The question is, can you expect healing to be given by God today? Do you think God can heal you today? Sorry. Do you expect healing to be given by God today? Will God heal you? James chapter 5, verse 15 to 16, say so. Is any one of you sick? Ask the elders to pray. You pray the elders of the church to pray. That's why we always go to a church where there's a community of believers who care for one another. James promised us the, pro the, the prayers of a godly man works wonders, works miracles. So therefore, you must seek God if you are not well. Okay. Next, the healing of the dead little girl. 12-year-old girl who, di who died. Eh? While Jesus was speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Verse 36, overhearing what they had said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. Eh? Referring back to James chapter 1 again, when you come to God to ask God for help, just believe, don't be afraid. And he did not allow anyone to follow him except Peter, James, John, and the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader Jairus, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing aloud. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. And after he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother when, with and the disciples who were with him, and when and when a child was, he took her by the hand and said to her, Talita kum, which means, little girl, I say unto you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and walked. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Okay. Why did Jesus continue his journey to Jairus' home when he was already told that Jairus' daughter had died? Because God will answer the prayers of those who seek Him. That's one for sure. Yeah, those who seek Him earnestly, God would answer. And when God starts on His journey, He never turns back. And when God decides that He wants to do something, He will never do back. Uh, he will never turn back. Okay. And the scriptures said very clearly in Matthew 28, verse 28, uh, verse uh, 18 to 20. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Okay, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, 
and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe what I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you, even to the end of the age. So the point is, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus, and He is able to heal. And He, he is an omniscient God. He sees the future. He knows what is going to happen to you and to me. And God will do what He seeks to accomplish. He will definitely do. Now, what was the irony when the mourners started laughing over Jesus' comments concerning Jesus' daughter? Because Jesus was saying, she is sleeping, and they started laughing. Earlier on, they were wailing, crying, screaming, beating their chest, pulling their hair, and so on. Yeah? Now, remember that in Asia, in Asia, in Malaysia, for instance, uh, among the Chinese community, at funerals, people are paid to cry as well. They believe that more, the more cries that you make, the more noise that you make, it is good, you know, so that eternally they will be blessed. You know? Somehow the gods in, in, their, in their paganistic religion is a thing that, you know, the dead will be blessed because you cry a lot for a person. You see? So there are people who are paid to cry. I don't know whether in this case itself the people are paid to cry in any, in any way, but they were crying on the one hand, but when they hear the remark, they started laughing. That was fast, a fast switch in terms of emotions, yeah? And they were skeptical about Jesus. Now, do you believe that God can reveal His miracles to you and to me today? Does God work miracles? Yes, He does. Yes, He does, definitely. Yeah? Uh, we have seen and we have prayed for many, many people. But I have not seen anyone being raised from the dead. Huh? I have not seen anyone raising from the dead, except for my mother. Everybody, I mean, my mother lived until 102 years old. And she passed away in July. Yeah? And uh, so, many people ex expect her to pass away early, much earlier, because she was getting very feeble, so was demented, she lost her mind, she was not able to speak anymore, and everybody expected her to die, right? But we prayed for her, and she many a times she swung back, she came back again, she just turned around again. Yeah, God works His miracles in ordinary people, who may not be of significance to anybody, but God can use the opportunity to bring glory to Himself. So therefore. Sorry, huh? Okay. So therefore, we must believe in the power of Christ to heal and to meet our deepest need. Now, how much do we believe in the promises of Scripture? That's one thing I want to ask of all of us. Now, there is a promise that you and I will be resurrected from the dead. For sure. One day we will be resurrected from the dead. How much do you believe in that particular teaching? Yeah? How much do you ever believe that you will be well when you are resurrected, you will rise to heaven, and then at the same time, you will be spotless. I mean, you will be perfect. You have no illness, you have no pains. But today, many of us who are above 60, we experience a lot of pains. Huh? In the knees, in the joints, in the elbows, and sometimes your eyes are blurred, you know? we can't see properly. You know? And we stand up for a long time, we feel a bit giddy. Yeah. So, but the thing is, remember that God teaches about resurrection, and you know you must believe what God has already taught you. Okay, let me show you a verse. It's 
Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And a prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Never confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man, a person, is powerful and effective. Now, God works in the community of believers to do great things in our lives. We may not build the biggest church in Malaysia. We may not build, we be the most influential church of our generation. But we see miracles happening. Broken people becoming whole again. People who have no hope for the future, they have hope once again. People who have no chance for a family, they have a family. You know, there's a nearby church, uh, Praise Assembly. The pastor, I got to know him. He was formerly a drug addict, but he came to know the Lord and his life turned around because Christians, the pastors, the elders, prayed for him and his life turned around. Today, he has a fruitful family. He is the senior pastor of a church and God has done wonderful things in his life. So therefore, claim this promise. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Okay? Whatever you ask in God's name, in Christ's name, God will answer. But remember, the, the, what they call the caveat, I must put a caveat, because we may ask for five million bucks, you know, to retire in good comfort, great comfort, and God may not run that. Because why God always say that you must ask for things that are in accordance with His will. You ask for wisdom, God will give it to you. You ask for good health, God can give it to you. You ask for what they call sufficiency in everything, God will give it to you. And God can bless you. But if you ask for things that are outrageous, that will feed your own nature, God will not give. Okay? Now, in the Gospel, God said, no, if you are evil, know how to give good things. What do you think God will give to His children? If you ask for a fish, do you think God will give you a stone? If you ask for now, if you, you know, if you ask for a fish, will God give you a snake? If you ask for a piece of bread, do you think God will give you a stone? God will not. He will do much more than what you have asked. Because God knows what you mean. In summary, Jesus is Lord with authority over demons, the dead, sick, and afflicted. He is also Lord over the storms you saw in um, Mark chapter 4. Yeah. God is control over all nature. And the Lord is merciful to all. He is able to respond to our prayers and petitions for help. Yeah. When the Lord is merciful, He reaches out to many of us without even us asking. I never asked to be saved. I have never considered myself requiring salvation. I have never, as a non-believer, I have never believed that I need salvation. But when God came, then I realized how sinful I was. I really needed salvation. Yeah? And God is able to respond to our prayers when we ask Him. I once was an idol worshipper. I worship all kinds of things. So I look at the idols in my home and I try to communicate with them. Yeah, in my family home, way back in Johor. I look at the idols and I try to communicate with them. But I saw lifeless, lifelessness. 
in all these idols. And so because of that, I decided one day that Jesus should be the Lord of my life, definitely. Now, Paul in Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7, it says that, Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God is able to respond. He asks you not to be anxious. Persist with your prayer. That thing we must trust and believe that God can help us in all of our travails. Well, I must tell you that, you know, I look healthy. I recently discovered that I have a serious heart problem. I have a serious heart problem, which I never, never imagined that I would have. I, would have, eh? I can climb up the hills, you know, the Mount uh, Sire Park. There are three hills there. I could go up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, and I'm well, you know. I went for all the medical tests. I am well. I did my treadmill and I was well, perfect. I hit level five. All my friends had to stop at level five, four, you know, and they had to be treated itself for recovery. I had no problems, but yet the doctor said I have a severe heart problem. So what do I do? I mean, I for a moment I was shaken. I must say I must tell you that I was shaken. But then I know that my life is in God's hands. So therefore, I pray to God and ask God, help me. Minister to me, heal me. I have never prayed for my own healing. That's a trouble with Christians. As Christian leaders, we always lay hands and pray for people who are sick and well. But when it comes to yourself, no meat, you know, it's auto. We are auto-immune or we are automatically healed. Eh? But we didn't realize that we can lay hands on our heart and pray, God, heal my heart. Clear? I have a high calcium score problem. I'll let you know my medical problem. Eh? A high calcium score is one in which your arteries are clogged with calcium. I never eat high calcium tablets, you know. I've never eaten plenty of calcified food, the kind of thing. I've never. But yet, my heart was clogged with calcium. And the doctor, no, of course, the doctors have different opinions. Huh? So one doctor said, I must do the angioplasty. I must do a balloon for you because I don't know how long you can live, you know. I better take the pre prevention. Now one said, okay, one, one balloon will cost you 22,000. Then the, sec so the second one, if you need a second one, it will cost 32,000 total cost. The next one will be 43,000 and so on. You know, he gave me the price in advance. And so. so I was very, un I, I don't trust all these things, but I want to trust my God. So I went to a top specialist in Kuala Lumpur in the National Heart Institute. He did a very thorough examination. He did so many tests. He did all the treadmill for me and he said, Stephen, I think you don't have to go for much treatment. All you have to do is exercise, eat the two medications I give you, the, the statin drug and the aspirin. So that was all. The rest you have to trust God. He says, there's no need to do a balloon when you have no symptoms. I had no symptoms. I have no chest pain. I, I'm not breathless. Uh, I can run. I can uh, do many exercises. But here, the medical record shows one block. Everything I had was fantastic. No heart inflammation, no high cholesterol, nothing. But still, I had that problem. But God was faithful. And God healed me and gave me the confidence anew so that I can serve Him and be faithful to Him. So we must be witnesses like the sickly woman, the healed man and the little girl and tell our friends about Jesus. We tell about God's mercy 
and what He has already done for us, if you have not done so. Start telling. And God is faithful. One day, He will raise you up to eternal glory to be with Him forever. Let us pray. Father, we just want to give thanks to You for hearing our prayers. In all our travails, we have presented our prayers to You, trusting You, God, to do a powerful work in our lives. And so, God, I just invite you, God, to continue to do this work in the lives of my brothers and sisters, and including myself, so that, God, we may be found useful, and, Lord, uh, we will be people who will continue to persevere in affliction, in challenges, and in the study of your word, we will continue to persist, and we will continue to talk to you day by day, and share your word with other people so that on the day of reckoning, when we enter into your presence, Lord, you will receive us, Lord, as your good and faithful servants. We thank you for this morning. ask that you may bless us uh, as we go back to our respective homes in the blessed name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.